so excited. I'm so proud of everybody because what's happening is now, as we are learning more and diving deeper into the Scripture, into the Word, to see what the Bible says, not what, um, not what our preconceptions say, or our perceptions say, or our failures say, or our pain or trauma says. We're saying, what does the Bible say? And if we believe that the Bible is what it says it is, the Word of God, God-breathed, living, logos, or rhema and logos, God-breathed and written, then when we see that it says something, whether we've ever thought that way or not, once we see, we now move into the place of being responsible to respond. We, we have a response now. And so that's what I was taught very early on as a young follower of Jesus, that Whenever I learn something new, we call it the word revelation, that means to be revealed, something a layer's peeled back, that when I have a revelation, I now have a responsibility. That's a good thing, not a negative, it's an exciting thing. That's why following Jesus is such an adventure. When people tell me that following Jesus is boring, I'm like, you're not following Jesus. I don't know what you're following, but it's not Jesus. Because if you're following Him, it's kind of like at the end of the the movie... um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where they're standing on the balcony and they see Aslan, the lion, walking off, and 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 something like this. And you'll probably somebody will probably have a better quote than that. This is not verbatim, but it's very close. Somebody said uh, he's not. Said he's not. He's not a safe lion. He's not a tame lion. And then the other one says, "But he's good." So I, we need to understand the Lord that we follow is not tame. Uh, John Eldridge wrote a book uh, called The Beautiful Outlaw, that Jesus was indeed countercultural. He was revolutionary, not rebellious. Remember, he's following God's plan, the one who created this whole thing. So he's not a rebel, but he is a revolutionary. He, he's, he's changing things. And so the Jesus who was a revolutionary in the first century is still today active and living his life in us and through us to continue to bring change. That's all revolution means. It literally is about transformation. It's about change. He is a change agent in the world, and all he's looking for are sons and daughters who will follow him into the fray. So he's not tame, but he is good. Amen? So that's what we're doing. We're following Jesus. I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, I hope no one got nervous that I brought the big book tonight. Don't panic. Um, doesn't mean we're going to preach on God, the world, and other things tonight, but, but we're going to cover a few things. There's some things in this particular Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Is anyone familiar with uh, Jack Hayford? Jack Hayford, Church on the Way, Van Nuys, California, one of my favorite pastors. Very sharp, very, um, he's an academic bent, yet completely filled with the spirit of Jesus and alive and well. And they put out a Bible many, many years ago, and I got the first edition. I've got it in my house of the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. So if you're interested in a Bible that has commentary, study aids, and things that lean towards believing in the current work of God in our world, that we're not just studying a historical Jesus, we're studying a current living Lord, our Savior is alive and well today, then this is a great Bible that is a great study Bible. It's a little daunting. It weighs about 40 pounds, but it has so many great helps in here. And so this has become kind of a go-to for me on certain things. So tonight, I I brought it with me because I want to quote some things out of it because we're going to talk tonight about what about prophecy? 
What about prophecy? Now, why are you staying? Why did you speak on what about tongues? Because first of all, you could call me a myth buster if you want, because I want to bust some myths and some untruths and some erroneous things that we have taught based on fear, based on misperceptions, and based, frankly, on bad theology. Remember what theology means? It's theos. And then ology is the study of. It's the study of God. It's the thinking. It means to think, to logic theology, logic about theos. So it's to think about God. So all of us are actually theologians. Just because you don't have THD behind your name doesn't mean that you are not qualified being empowered by the Holy Spirit to think well. Amen? So we, we don't check our brains at the door. We actually say, let's, say, let's see what the Word of God says and let's let the Word of God interpret the Word of God. And it does. That's the beauty of the Word. It's living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. So we're going to let the Word say what the Word says. And instead of running from it, that's one of the reasons why I love to preach um, expository style, which means verse by verse, line upon line. First of all, it puts me in a position that I can't cheat. I can't avoid controversial subjects. I can't play it safe if we're going line upon line. So the reason why we're taking some time to got, dive a little bit deeper into the issue of, of the prayer language specifically, not, that's a different than the declarative ministry gift of tongues. But because, and the reason I want to go with that, because that's very practical and personal. So we'll cover the other another time. Trust me, we'll get to all these. But I wanted to go there because I wanted to make sure that we're not skipping over or cheating. So in Acts chapter 19, which is where we are in our study, and I'm going to go ahead and pull, pull up a couple of things. We're not going to spend much time because I do want to get to our topic. So just I want you to continue to remember and continue to pray for the harvest. We have a vision and a belief that God is going to bring a great harvest. Last night in our life group, we're practicing listening to God. We're, we're training. We're training for reigning, so to speak, because we're called to reign in life, right? So we're training for reigning. We're learning to hear His voice. So we're doing, we call my life group a lab class. And what that means is you can't break anything in here. So you can't fail either, because if you learn from a mistake, then that's not failure. Amen? So we create a safe atmosphere where we're, we're leaning in and learning and stretching. How does a baby grow? They stretch, then they grow. See, babies move all the time, stretching all the time. What are they doing? They're growing. So we're stretching and we're growing. It's been beautiful to watch this thing evolve, how as we continue to take time, create a safe environment, and then say, let's listen to what God has to say, and then what does he say? And then it's, it's astounding what we're getting. So last night, Jason, one of our, in our life group, uh, he got a picture of a clock, a large clock, and it was like laying flat, and then it just shot, the hands shot out for as far as you could see. And then the clock was moving, and it was, it was moving over like a field of wheat. And it was cutting the wheat, and we all went, harvest. Harvest. We've been believing for harvest, praying for harvest, the harvest vision. So we continue to get, and we're going to talk about this tonight, words from the Lord, words of confirmation and affirmation that this harvest vision is of Him. I mean, why wouldn't God want to see a harvest of people come to Christ and growing in the Lord? Really? Could that be antithetical to what He wants to do? No. That's His heart. It's His desire. Jesus said, look on the field. So I always want to just get that. I want this to get in you. And remember our four Ds. We want to discover who God is and who we are in Christ. 
and discover our grace gifts and all that, but we also want to develop. So we want to discover, we want to develop. What is that? It's discipleship. It's what we're doing here. It's this teaching. It's diving in. It's, uh, and sometimes, you all know me well enough, I'll be provocative. I was talking to Jerry earlier about this. I will be provocative on purpose. I will say things that cause you to go, you know, like the old Victrola, the dog looking at the Victrola. Remember that? It's like, you know, what? What did I just hear? And uh, I want that to happen because I want to provoke you to get in your Bible. And then the Holy Spirit, because I trust the Holy Spirit in you. I trust Jesus in you. Same Jesus, same Lord, who wants you to grow just like he wants me to grow. So I trust him that when you're provoked by something I say, if I'm a good teacher doing my job, I'll provoke you to do something. Which means maybe i got to prove that wrong. I don't believe that. I can't believe Pastor Jimmy would say that. I don't believe it. And then you get in the Bible and go, whoa, I did not realize. And that's my heart, is to get us in there, provoking. That's the development piece. The other piece is deploy. We're learning these things. Now we got to do something with it. We're not going to sit for the rest of our lives on our blessed assurance. Amen? No, we need to be at aisle four. The chip aisle, praise the Lord. I've got that figured out. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's an EDM right there. For those of you who don't know, I keep getting the chip aisle and the coffee aisle mixed up for like two years. So I'm finally, finally getting it. And I've been corrected many times by, I'm very teachable, by the way, just so you know. So deploy, that means get out there, be Jesus, be so full of life that you've got overflow going on and everywhere you go, you're just leaking. And then you get bumped. What do you do when you have a cup of coffee that's full and you get bumped? You spill, right? You spill out, you leak out. Life happens, oh, it's terrible. Well, actually, yeah, but they're spilling out life everywhere they go. Every time you get bumped, every time you hit something, every time you hit a hurdle, you're gonna spill out. And that's the goal, it's to get you so full so full, so growing, so developed that you deploy, you go out. I like the military term, deploy, you're going out. And then the other one, that's my favorite word in that whole bunch right there, and it's disrupt. Remember, Jesus is a revolutionary, not a rebel. He was not caustic. He was not mean-spirited. He was of the Father. He was love personified. And when you show up with love that's radical and unchanged, you will create disruption because you love so radically. I saw this, I posted it actually on social media, some of you saw it, but it was a quote by Billy Graham that said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, it's God's job to judge, and it's our job to love. That's it. We'll let the Holy Spirit and God do that other stuff, but it's our job to love. If you will love radically, you will be disruptive because it'll be the nature of Jesus at work in you and through you. Amen? All right, moving right along. So I'm not going to go through these again. This is just a foundational thing saying this is what we're doing. We want to be faithful to the scriptures and not shy away from. Uh, we want everything. This, this is important. Father, I want everything you have for me. Nothing more, nothing less. And that sets up a boundary. That actually creates a boundary in the positive that I don't want more. I'm not going to go chase after something that's not of him or that's extra biblical in the sense. But I do want nothing less than what he has for me. And if he's called me to be a world changer and a, D, a disruptor because of the love of Christ that compels us, then why would I want any less than that? If he's called you to be a world changer, a culture shaper, a difference maker, why would you want any less than that? Why would you settle for anything less that he has for you? The only reason we settle for that is that we give in to the enemy who's constantly, he's a liar and a deceiver, the Bible calls the devil, a liar from the beginning, 
a murderer from the beginning, and the father of lies, why would we allow him to keep us from the full life that Jesus said is ours? He says, I've come that you may have life and have it what? Abundant, to the full. That means over the top. That's our call. So I want everything he has for me, nothing more, nothing less. Is that wrong to ask? Is that even radical? That should be the normal Christian life, amen? So, anyway, moving on. We'll let the Bible interpret the Bible. We're going to keep moving and recognize we've interpreted the Bible from a limited and or skewed religious worldview. Well, hello, we've all done that, right? No, it's, that's not malicious. There's nothing malevolent about that. It's just that we all have preconceptions that we come to the Word with. In other words, we all have filters. We have lenses that we see the Bible through that oftentimes will skew us into a different thought or a different way of reading the Bible. So we miss things, or we misinterpret things, or we, we have a different lens or filter. Let's just be honest about that. So here it is. We're to always be ever learning, ever growing, and unafraid to question where we have been with a mindset of growth. I talk about my background being Southern Baptist. I'm so thankful that I got to go to a Southern Baptist college and a Southern Baptist seminary. I'm grateful for my education. But I made up my mind a long time ago that while I'm grateful for my heritage, I refuse to be limited by it or constrained by it. Because God is so much bigger than the Southern Baptist Convention. I hope that didn't wreck anybody here. Some of you are going, yeah, I knew that a long time ago. But he's bigger, and I want to go after all that God has. Remember, nothing more, nothing less. And then this, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman whose function is to reveal Jesus, who's the way, the truth, the life. He'll not force you to go where you choose not to go. And, but he invites you into an abundant and fruitful life. And this is what I love. Adventure, disruption, excitement, risk, discovery, and joy. My gosh, we as followers of Jesus, no matter what our circumstances are, we should be the happiest people in the room in any given situation. There should be a joy that supersedes our feelings because we walk by faith and not by sight. There should be something that percolates, bubbles up out of us that is so otherworldly that people are compelled to say, there's something different about you. How can you even be in a good mood? How can you, have you not watched the news lately? I'm going to try to avoid it as much as possible. But have, have you, how, do you even know what's going on? Yeah, I do. But let me tell you something. But God. Amen. God's bigger than it all. And he will have the final say, the final word. And here's what I know. No matter what's going on in life, in the end, he wins. In the end, I win because I'm in him. So this is a win-win deal. If I get killed tomorrow, guess what? I'm in the presence of Jesus. If I live till I'm 97, guess what? I've won. I got to impact people for the rest of my life. It's a win-win deal for a follower of Jesus. Until you get that locked into your gray matter, into your brain, you're going to live a reticent, conservative life. And the last thing, politically conservative, yes. Life conservative, no way. I'm not holding back anything. And in the words of one of the greatest theological bands ever, Def Leppard, has said this. At the beginning of Rock of Ages, it says, I've got something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Let me tell you, I want to be all in for Jesus. Don't quote me on that Def Leppard thing. So I, I want to be all in for Christ and say, you know what? It is better to burn out than to fade away. I'm not going to go quietly out of this world because he's called me to make a difference. And guess what? That's the destiny on your life too, to make a difference. 
to be a world changer. That's why I speak over our students and our next generation. You're a world changer. You are a world changer. Call it up. Call it out. But you know what? I'm saying it over you too. Miss Charlene, I checked her pulse again tonight. It is still going strong. And what age are we at right now? 80? 89 years of age and ministering on a constant basis because where there's a pulse, there's still a purpose. And where there's a pulse, there's still a promise. Amen? When I grow up, I want to be like you. It is Papa. I know. I know that. We know that. So there it is. Adventure, disruption, excitement, risk, discovery, and joy. That's all ours in Christ. Amen? We are not like those in this world who are without hope. We always have hope. So what about the prophetic? All right, this is one of those gifts. Again, we're not going to run away from things that have been controversial or misunderstood. We're going to teach. Let's go to the Word, and I'm not going to tell you that I'm the Bible answer man. We're going to discover together. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to be our teacher because He's the Spirit of truth, John 14 says, who leads us and guides us into all truth. So Holy Spirit, we're submitted to you. We thank you that we have the mind of Christ according to your word. And we thank you, Lord, that even First John, you tell us, Lord, that we have an anointing from the Holy One, and we know, we know, we know scope. We know all things. So it's in us, it's there. So we're asking the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to us and teach us as students, as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Amen? So what about this declarative gift of the Spirit? Acts 19, now that's just setting up where we've been. So I'm not going to read the whole thing because we've read it every night. We've stayed on this. But I will go to the place where he says this. On hearing this, they were baptized. These were new followers of Jesus. They were baptized into Jesus, and then they were baptized into the Spirit because when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. It's the word epi. It means upon on upon. It means to be whelmed over by. So when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit whelmed them over, came upon them, and here was a result. They began speaking in tongues. Now we spent two weeks on What About Tongues. The podcast is up. If you want to listen to that again, and I encourage you to, not so you can criticize my teaching, but so you can study yourself, so you can dive in yourself and say, Lord, what does this mean for me? What does this mean? For some of you, it's a reactivation. I love that. I love that. Reactivating. And for me, it has done the same. It has so re-stirred that gift up in me so much. My prayer language has come back like a hundred times more. So I'm, I'm so thankful we went down this road because if it hasn't helped anybody else, it's helping me. And uh, praise God. So I love it. Building myself up on my most holy faith. So they begin doing that. And then this other word, prophesying. All right. Whoa, what does that mean? What does that mean? Have you, how many of you have ever been in a scenario where someone came up to you and said, hey, I, I believe I have a word from God for you? Has that ever happened to anybody? Let me see your hands if that's happened. Has anyone ever spoken in King James Version English to you when they had, thus saith the Lordeth? You ever got one of those? Oh, Lord, I have. I've gotten some doozies. <laughs> Being in this for 35 years, you, you see a little bit of everything and you just have to. <laughs> it's the king's English, and it's, it's just 16th century Elizabethan English. So it's interesting how we'll default into things, and we feel like we sound a lot more authoritative if we speak in Elizabethan English. But here's the deal. Authority never has to be flaunted. If God's in something, you can whisper, and it'll shake mountains. 
Okay, so there's nothing about our posturing, our volume, our intensity, or the tenses that we use in the language, whether we're butchering it or not. So let me share a couple of things for you as we get started. So I want to unpack this a little bit because this, this, this can get really misconstrued, but it's also a beautiful, glorious gift, grace gift that God gives us. And this is interesting is many of you have done it and you didn't even realize you were doing it. And I'll share a story about that in a little bit if I get to it. So, tongues and prophecy. Listen to this out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This will be in the New King James. I'm going to mix up some translations for clarity. And so, New King James Version, which is one of my favorite, uh, still retains the beautiful literary flow of the King James, but it's, I jokingly and lovingly call it the corrected King James. So, that's just, there's a whole theological thing about that. So, don't take that personal. So, uh, pursue love. Remember 1 Corinthians, we covered that, and we used the New Living Translation when we looked at this issue of tongues. So, but I want to, now we're going to look at the issue of prophecy, so we're going to flip it a little bit. Pursue love, by the way, the word pursue and the word desire or earnestly desire literally means to pursue as to overtake. It's like a linebacker running down a back. It's like, uh, it's like a gazelle getting run down by a leopard. I mean, it's, it's pursuing to overtake. And he's saying, overtake. Pursue love. Go after love. You know, we, we yawn when we talk about love in church, but you know, somebody says something about the prophetic, and they're like, whoa, I want to know about that. But he says, pursue. Pursue love. I'm telling you, you want to be a revolutionary like Jesus? Pursue love. Be the, be the best lover in the room. I'm telling you, you will look like Jesus. Pursue love and desire. That means literally to earnestly, earnestly desire, almost violently desire spiritual gifts. Wait, I'm supposed to, I thought I wasn't supposed to chase gifts. No, you're to desire them. They're for you. They're gifts for you. They're benefits. They're things that Jesus paid for with his blood on the cross. And now they're benefits that are for you. But the beauty of it is they're for you, for others. It's never just for me. It's always for them and for, for we. So, so I love that. Desire spiritual gifts. Now he says this, and, remember, the, the conjunction there means and. It's, we translate it but, but it's actually translated more times as and than but. It's the same word. Kai. And especially that you may prophesy. And everybody's going, well, that's cool, but what does that mean? That I may prophesy. What does that mean? So a lot of us will default to Nahum, we'll default to Jeremiah, we'll default to Nathan the prophet sticking his bony finger in David's face and saying, you are that man. I mean, we'll, we'll default to this hardcore Old Covenant, Old Testament. But how many of you know or realize that we are now under a, a new and better covenant, according to the book of Hebrews? A new covenant. We are under a new covenant. And that's a beautiful thing, which means the nature of prophecy has shifted from that which was very warning-oriented, doomsday-oriented, very... Uh, uh, calling out kings and calling out governments. And I mean, you read the Old Testament, I mean, there's some serious stuff going down. Declaring calamity, some frightening things. Now, Jesus comes along, flips the script, and now we're under a new covenant after the resurrection of Christ. And all of a sudden, there's a new way at hand, and it's the way of love. And the nature of prophecy completely changes. The nature of it changes. We're going to look at that in just a minute. So, Moving right along, prophecy 
is a message of encouragement from God. When I get those devil crouching at your door prophecies, I'm like, okay, I'll put that on the back burner. We're going to put that on low and let it simmer. Because here's the deal. I knew that when I woke up this morning. So you're not really telling me, and by the way, you're not encouraging me one bit. So, and I'll tell you why that's important. Prophecy is a message of encouragement from God through a person. Okay? So God wants to get a message to somebody, and he can use an angel, which the word technically means messenger, or he can use you. And he will speak through his people to encourage, to build up, and we'll see that in just a minute. It is meant to bring these three things. This, by the way, and I'll share this in a minute, this is the litmus test for a prophetic word. It is meant to bring exhortation. To exhort uh, means to encourage. It means to inspire courage. Edification, that word means to build up. We're here to build one another up. We're not here to tear anybody down. We're here to build up and to comfort. That means consolation. We're here to console and comfort. And so prophecy is never corrective. I'm telling you, somebody comes and they bring a, a, a corrective word to me and they get in my grill and the Lord's telling me to tell you and I'm like, that's not God telling you that. That's your flesh telling you that. That's your opinion. And I'm pretty bold with stuff like that, so you ever bring one, you better test it before you get to me. I'm just saying. So, because I will call you out on it. I called a man out on it in a church. We'd been called to a new church, Annette and I, and this church had a lot of stuff going on. They'd kind of, no one, there were no restraints, there was no boundaries. And I'm all about the fruit of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit moving, but I'm also about wisdom, and I'm about sound biblical boundaries. And this church was having a runaway. And they had this guy who had been prophesying for 20 years and no one had ever called him. No one had ever called him out. So he was running around giving words right and left. So he came to me and he had a word from God for me and for the church. So I looked at him and I said, Tony, you're going to have to do something for me. He goes, what? And I said, you have to write it down. He goes, what? Write it down? No one had ever even asked him to write it down. I said, if this is a word from God, then it's the word of God, which means if you give it to me, I'm now responsible for that just as I am that book right there, if it's the word of God. So I want it in writing. He goes, okay. So he writes out this six-page thing, and I read it. By the way, I'd only been at that church for a few months, so I'm setting up a great start here. So I read it, and I'm going, this is opinion. This is not the word of the Lord. This, this, sounds, he's, this is agenda-driven. He wants the church to go a certain way, and he's just been running amok with this. So I called together 12 men in the church that were leaders. And we sat in a circle, and Tony was in the circle. I said, we're here tonight because we're going to test the word of the Lord. Boy, the room got quiet real quick. I mean, I think the barometric pressure in the room changed. It's like sucked all the air out. Because no one, they'd been just running wild, and people were running around giving words, and it was just out of control. And we had to set a precedent and bring some order into it. And so I called him out, and I, and I did it in love. By the way, we speak the truth in love. Amen? Yes. We better do it in love or don't do it. Right. Right? right? Mom said, you don't have anything good to say. Keep it to yourself. That's what my mom taught me. And so, so we were sitting in a circle. I said, we're going to go around the circle, and we're going to read this out loud, and then we're going to judge this word. And I mean, you talk about tension in the room. But I completely felt like I was being carried on a wave of grace through this. I knew I was about to disrupt stuff. I knew I was about to turn the apple cart over in this church. 
But they, they were having a runaway on some stuff, and there needed to be some things pulled back in order, and I knew God called me there to do that. So when you're doing what you know you're called to do, you can do it with confidence, and, and you're convinced, you're persuaded that you're doing the right thing. So I called it out, we read it, we went around the circle. At first it was real quiet, and you know, by the time it got to about the sixth guy, it was like, no, this isn't a word from God. No, this isn't a word. No, this doesn't fit at all with what God's doing right now. By the time we got to the end, this man was so angry and so livid that he, he, was, about to exp- he was about to do a full-blown manifestation right there because there was another spirit at work in driving some things, and we'd exposed it. So here's the deal. After he left the church, which he did, mad at me, I went back to those men and I asked questions like, do you think that was the right thing to do? And some of them were saying, I wish somebody had done that a long time ago. Because it was the right thing to do. You know what it, you know what it evoked in those men? Trust, confidence in their leader, and also the idea that, that we're not, this thing's not going to go off the rails. And it created safety. I'm telling you, where there's safety... When there's safety, when you know it's safe, it's safe, you'll bring people. You'll, you'll bring people in. God, you got to see this. you got to see what's going on here. God's moving. God's moving. Was well, it a three-ring circus? Is this PT and Bartim and Bailey service cir- uh, circus? No. It's the church of Jesus Christ unleashed, alive, and making a difference. I'm telling you, that's when it gets fun. That's when church gets fun. That's when it gets to where you can't wait to be here because there is no telling what God's going to do. But you know there's boundaries. You know there's safety in that. Does that make sense? So prophecy's never corrected. The New Testament spiritual gift of prophecy is always encouragement. And that word, again, to inspire courage. When you encourage somebody, you're inspiring courage in them. Now, listen to this. Pastor Robert Morris, by the way, I love Pastor Robert Morris's Bible teaching. Uh, Nett and I attended that church during a season of time when we lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Gateway Church in South Lake. Now they have campuses all over that area, DFW. He says this, and I love what he says, adding thus saith the Lord to the end of a word does not make it a prophecy. <laughs> Amen. Such a word is often simply criticism. Because a lot of time people will bring an agenda behind it and we can be spiritual about it and so it sounds official. Right, right. Yeah, and remember, context is king. So, so there's a reason it says that. And it, there's, there's a lot more to that than just, just reading that at face value. But yeah, there is that sense about bringing in extra biblical. But here's the deal. We know the written canon is closed, right? We believe that. That in that council in, in the late 300s uh, AD, that they closed it. 393, I believe. They closed it. They said, this is it. This is the Word of God as we know it. But we also know God's still speaking, right? The key is, is that He will never contradict. His spoken Word, which is a rhema word, the rhema God breathed, will never contradict the logos, the written Word. Does that make sense? It's His spoken Word. So that's another test for me when people bring stuff to me. I'm like, if that doesn't line up and if it's not in alignment with the Scripture, then we're going to have a different conversation. In love. Speaking the truth in love. So anyway, I love that quote from uh, Pastor Robert. 
So a biblical rule of thumb for a prophetic word. Somebody comes to you and they say, man, I've got something to say. I believe it's God. Let's, let's get some help on this so that we can be wise and discerning. So verse 3, 1 Corinthians 14, this is out of the Passion Translation. I love it. It's a newer translation. I really like the, the angle he's coming from. So listen to this. But when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people. Remember, we talked about building up. That's what you do. You edify. You build up. He speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. So that's another way to say that same, those three criteria. So a simple litmus test, I put it down there on the bottom there. First of all, when somebody brings a word to me from God, does it encourage me? This is Bible. Is, am I encouraged? Is it inspiring, encouraging me in me? Is it inspiring me? Another thing is, does it build me up? If somebody brings a word of the Lord, it's going to bring life. It's going to bring lift. Is this providing lift for me? Do I feel lifted? When we do our practice thing, we, we do a lab class in, in our life group. We say, you can't break anything. It's safe in here. We create this scenario. And then I put on about four or five minutes of just instrumental music. And we just listen to God with something to write with. And we just jot down what's coming to our mind. What are we doing? We're experimenting. We're running a lab class. And then... When we're, when we're done after those five minutes, we say, all right, what, are you, what did you hear? Now, sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh. Are you, no, I'm not going to share that because Jim Jim's in our group, Jim and Tisha. And, and one, one night, I think the first night Jim was there, Jim's like, uh, I've got something, but I don't think it matters, wishbone. <laughs> he threw it out there. I just kept hearing wishbone, wishbone. I know that doesn't mean anything. Well, several people later, somebody said, I've got something on that. I mean, it was like, no, it did mean something. And so a lot of times we'll think we're not hearing God. Oh, I'm just thinking that. But in fact, it's amazing how as we speak these things out, it dovetails and connects and it forms this thematic word. And last night was just one of those nights where we did it. We've been doing this now for weeks and weeks where it was just like, Click, 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 click. It was like, we're hearing better. We're hearing clearer. Now we're taking it to the next level. We're articulating it. Does that make sense? I have a question. What, how, what, when, you're, when you get a word, okay. and it's for someone who's caught in a destructive behavior, a destructive habit, a destructive, they don't, Right. Because it's contrary to their destructive right. intent. Speaking the truth in love, and here's the deal. Whether they feel encouraged or not, you know, what I feel is not contingent on the truth. So we speak the truth in love, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I feel about what I'm receiving. If it's still truth in love, we're delivering it as it's to be delivered. And that is the truth in love. So if I see somebody driving off a cliff and the bridge is out, they're driving towards the, towards the chasm, and I know the bridge is out, I'm going to do what I can to stop them so they don't bring harm to themselves. So if the Lord has said, go say something, I have a responsibility to go in love. I'm not responsible for their action, their behavior, but in love, I say, look, the bridge is out, okay? That's still not in the spirit of the Old Testament, Old Covenant prophecy. That's in love. That's protection. Uh, if someone's, you know, going to do harm to themselves or, you know, they're a danger to themselves or others, we used to say when I was in case management, you know, if they're a then you've got to intervene. So that's interventive in nature where you're stepping in and saying, hey, I've got to say this. I love you and I need to say this. 
So that's that. So that's a great question, though. Great question. So does it encourage me? Does it build me up? And I'm speaking more in terms of somebody bringing something to you. Again, that's, that's, a, that's another scenario where someone's in a dangerous or destructive situation. So I'm talking more in line with typically what happens with this. So does it build me up? Does it comfort me? Is it console? Is it, is it ministering? Now, here's another thing. There's some things up here. I couldn't go into a long list because it would take all night. But there are other things that you can say, does this do that? Or is this, is this in line? 99 out of 100 times when someone has brought a word to me, and my son, who's a pastor down in Houston, says, says that me and Annette, he says, you guys are like prophetic magnets. Everywhere you go, people are giving you words. And it's true. We get, we've always, wherever we are, we're like a lightning rod for this stuff. So it's interesting. It's fascinating. I have hundreds of these documented. I keep them. I write them down or I record them or I take the recording and then translate them or transcribe them so I have a document. I've got hundreds. I'm going to let you listen to one as we close tonight so you'll get an idea of how this might sound if somebody's speaking of what they believe is the word of the Lord. So go ahead. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Getting back to what the lady here was saying. Melissa. Right. Point being there, Good word. If you don't receive it, and that's for what Corinth? That's First Corinthians fourteen. What? Yeah, oh, it's okay. That's when Paul is bouncing back between tongues and prophecy and trying to bring you know clarity to that. So it's a good word. That. Yeah. Yeah, and he's talking specifically in a church service. He's talking about in a church meeting or in a gathering. He's being very clear about that, very specific in that. Good, good word. So, look at this in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. We already covered that. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So, you're speaking and it's building up. It's edifying. It's encouraging. It's comforting. It's bringing life. Verse 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues. This is Paul telling everybody, I want you to speak in tongues. That blew somebody's mind here because I, I had several people who I didn't realize it. I never saw that. And I'm like, and you read over it 700 times. But it's, it's interesting how we pull things out and you begin to go, oh, wow. So now Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Tongues are great, but I want you to prophesy. Here's why. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks. He's not talking about in our terms. You're better than that. Because that's what we do. We immediately in our English language, oh, they're better than them. No, he's just saying better or greater in the sense of elevated because of what it produces. So I'll show you why. The one who prophesies is greater or higher or more elevated than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Again, he's going back into saying, if you speak in tongues and nobody knows what you're saying, first of all, they're going to think you're nuts. They'll think you're crazy, right? He even said that. They'll think you're crazy. He says, but if you prophesy, you're actually building everybody up because it's in English. It's the word of the Lord to people. It's a beautiful thing. So when you do that, he's saying it's a better thing. That's why he said earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So that was 1 Corinthians 14. Now, let me, yeah, this is Acts chapter 2. This is a Joel prophecy that was given. So an Old Testament prophecy into the New Covenant, New Testament. When Peter stood on the day of Passover, on the day of Pentecost, right? 
He stood and he preached the first gospel sermon. Now, like pure gospel, he preached Jesus from the Old Testament, history up till. And then they were like, what must we do to be saved? I mean, it was a glorious. Thousands came to Christ in one fell swoop with no sound system, which is really crazy how just God in so many ways showed up. And so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the Jews. Our outpouring came in at Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. So like, woohoo, that's our Pentecost. So that they're both glorious and they're both God pouring out and whelming over people with His Spirit after Jesus ascended. Remember, Jesus had to ascend. He said, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't, then the Father can't send another helper. He said, so it's good for me to leave because I can only be in one place at one time. Remember, he, was, he put on a nurse suit and moved into the neighborhood. That's John 1.14 in a very loose translation. But he, he put on flesh and, and lived among us. So he became Emmanuel, God with us, right? But he could only be in one place at one time because he was the Son of Man. He was not in that form omnipresent, which means he couldn't be everywhere. So he said, it's good for you that I go away because now the Holy Spirit can come and indwell everybody, my spirit. So that's exactly what happened. So while, while this is all happening, Peter stands up with the, with the 11 and begins to preach the gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, but this is what was uttered. He's saying what? This is that. What is happening now? Because just before that, they said, these men are drunk. They're speaking in other, un, other languages. Uh, there's these weird tongues of fire dancing around everywhere. What is that? You know, it was crazy. This mighty rushing wind. And so they were just going, this is a bunch of drunkards. This is like a big... But he says this. He says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the ninth hour. So he says this. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. By the way, we are in the last days, folks. We're there. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on only those who follow Jesus. It's not what it says. That is not what the Bible says. I've got some speculation about this, but it's just speculation. I'm not Hank Canegraaff. I'm not the Bible answer man. So my thought is there are a lot of things that are happening in our world, people that are energized by the supernatural, fascinated with the supernatural. You've got people who are reading tarot cards. You've got people who are prophesying. You've got mediums on TV that have their own TV shows now. And it would be foolish and maybe even anti-biblical to say, oh, none of that's legitimate. There's no way that's happening. Maybe it is. It's just been perverted. It's been taken and used for other things. Is, is it not common in other realms for people to take a gift of God and use it for something else? What about people who grow up in the church and they end up singing secular music and going down a really bad path? It was a gift that was given, right? It's the Elohim element. It's God in them. It's the Imago Dei, Christ, you know, God in you. It's New Testament, Christ in you, the hope of glory. All that beauty is in you, and it's coming out creatively, and then they're singing all kinds of mess. But what is it? That's the Elohim element coming through somebody. It's a beautiful thing. And so you see that happening. Why wouldn't that happen with the prophetic or the spiritual too? Because look what happens. I will pour out of my, my spirit on all flesh. Whew. The whole world gets a dump load of this? 
And your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. prophesy. I'll define prophecy in a minute because some of you are going, well, okay, what exactly does that mean? We'll, we'll define it. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And Peter says, this is that. This is what's happening right now, Jerry. All flesh, it means all people. All people, yes, all people. Yes, literally. And then look what he says. Young men, visions, dreams, and all will prophesy. And then he says, even on my male servants and female servants in those days, which are these days, that was Joel prophesying about what was coming, and it, was, it came. He says, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall what? Prophesy. So my, my, again, this is off the books, my thought, this is speculation, that a lot of what we're seeing in our world today of people that are mediums and spiritualists and they're detecting, you know, they've got shows, paranormal, supernatural, all these, I think there's legitimacy to that because that spirit's been poured out on all flesh. The whole world's received that gift. Now what they do with it could be perverted, it could be off base, that's just my thought. Okay. Or agnostic. Okay. Or just purely secular. I say, do you do you believe in right and wrong? And they said, Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some things are right and some things are wrong. I said, Do you get that only from a secular, legalistic society? Right. Or is it in you? And they can't deny yeah. that it's in them. Right. Well, where did that come from? That's right. There it is. They just know that it's right, or they just know that it's wrong. But they long to deny it yeah. so they can hold on to their atheism or their agnosticism. Yeah. It's, 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 it's cyclical. Yeah, it's cyclical thinking. And, it, it, and yeah, at some point, that breaks down. Great, great point. So, moving right along, here's, here's what we talk about developing your prophetic grace gift. And let me give you a, a definition based, based out of this. Um, the definition of prophecy, and this is from 1 Corinthians 12, and that's one of the gift lists. Another one was in Romans chapter 12, also is another gift list, where prophecy is given as a spiritual gift. So here it is, prophecy, divinely inspired and anointed utterance. Anointed means God smeared. That's all it means. The word anoint means to smear. So it's the Spirit of God being smeared on, so to speak. We call that anointing. And it says this, divinely inspired and anointed utterance, supernatural proclamation in a known language, as opposed to an unknown language, which we saw that with the gift of tongues. Manifestation of the Spirit of God, not of intellect. In other words, you're speaking what God's saying, but it doesn't have anything to do with you. <laughs> you're just the voice. You're giving voice to something. Maybe... Possessed and operated by all who have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he's quoting 1 Corinthians 14.31. Intellect, faith, and will are operative in this gift. You're not going to be going through HEB and grab the microphone and start prophesying over the store suddenly because the Holy Spirit just took you over. Okay? This is an act of will. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, the scripture says. So you can control it. So when people come to me, I have people come up to me here on a Sunday morning while I'm in my little spot where you're sitting, Caroline, and, and say to me, I have a word from the Lord. Could I give that from the stage? And I'm like, no, you can write it down and email it to me. 
and then we'll judge it. And the look on their faces. And I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just we are going to have... There's understanding there will be unbelievers in a Sunday morning worship service, and I am not going to do anything to risk the safety of the environment because I want them to get to Jesus before we start blowing them away with the supernatural. So if you have a word, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, which means it's under control. Email it to me. Let me, let me, let me pray over it. Let our elders look at it. Let's read it together. Let's talk about it. But if it's a word of the Lord, then it's eternal, correct? So it can wait a few days. It may not be for this morning. And I've had people come up to me with urgency. We got, I got a word from the Lord. Can I? I'm like, uh, no, you can't. I love you. However, no, for the safety of somebody who's here who is, doesn't understand or doesn't get that, and it would just, no, no. I, I value people over preferences in that situation. You're an excellent company. Paul even said in Corinthians, he said, I started you out on spiritual milk. If you weren't ready for spiritual meat yet. Just not ready. Not time. Listen to this. Here's another definition of prophecy, and this is from, uh, from the Greek. It's the word prophetuo, uh, and it means this, to foretell events. So spirit of prophecy, when, when the Lord speaks, He may be speaking of something that has not yet come. Not yet happened. It means to foretell events. It's divine. It means to speak under inspiration. And it means to exercise the prophetic office, i.e. prophecy. To prophesy, to be a prophet. Speak forth by divine inspirations. To predict, to prophesy with the idea of foretelling future events. So, I mean, it goes on and on and on. So, that's, so here's an easy way to remember. There's two elements of prophecy. It's to foretell and to foretell. Okay, that keeps it very simple. To foretell. When, for example, when I was in the Baptist church, and if I would have said to a Baptist preacher who I love very much, say, that was so prophetic what you just said, they would deny that. Ah, oh, no, that was not prophetic. We don't do that here. And, but here's the deal. When I was in the Baptist church, people prophesied all the time because they were foretelling the glory of God, the Word of God, the life of God. Preacher standing in the pulpit says, I don't know what came over me. I went off script. I didn't even use my notes. I just, I don't even remember what I said. And everybody's going, that was the best sermon you ever preached. What was he doing? He was prophesying. The Spirit of God overcame him. And, and he would never admit it in public lest he be looked at as one of those crazy people down that church down the road because of fear. But they prophesy all the time because they're declaring forth the Word of God, the life of God. Does that make sense? Happens all the time. So it's actually happening. Sometimes people just don't know. The other one, forth, that's forth-telling. Foretelling means you're actually seeing something off in the future. When Jason shared last night, I see this, these hands on a clock, and they're spinning over a wheat field, and it's mowing down the wheat, and we're all like, harvest. Harvest is coming. That hasn't happened yet, but we believe it's coming, and it's being affirmed and confirmed over and over and over. All right, so here's, I'm going to run quickly through these. Developing your prophetic grace gift. If you have one, here's the first thing. You need to cultivate your ability to hear God's voice. It's hard to articulate God's voice if you can't hear it. If you can't identify it. It gets a little scary. And that's the thing about the prophetic grace, prophetic gift. It can get very subjective very quickly. So that's a real war of just saying, is this the word of the Lord or is this me? You know? I don't think the devil's even in the picture. He doesn't need... We, we do the work for him, so I, I don't even think he's 
paying attention to us right now. You must cultivate your ability to hear God's voice. That's what we're doing in my life group. And I'm going to teach us how to do it as well. Because I think it's so important that we learn to hear the voice of God. Amen? Don't you? Do you want to learn to hear God's voice? You want to develop that? Okay, three of you. Praise the Lord. All right. Everything you say must be the truth in love. The truth in love. That's it. You feel like, somebody, you feel like God's given you something for somebody else. You go with humility, fear and trembling, and you say, I think God may be saying, not thus saith the Lord. If you want to step into that, wow. Wow. Whenever I feel like God's given me a word from somebody else, I will say something to this effect. I think God might be saying this. <laughs> How's that for not being committed? Because the deal is, I want them to take it, and it may affirm or confirm something God's already doing in them. 99 out of 100 times it will confirm or affirm God's already been speaking. It's just one more confirmation among many. And so I've seen that over and over and over. So when somebody brings a word to me and it's like left field, or maybe not even in the same ballpark, I'll just go, hmm, wow. Y'all know what comes after that, right? Not how, just wow. I'll just stay, I'll stay on wow with that. So giving a prophetic word is risky business. However, we walk by faith and not by sight. So in our little lab class, small group, we're hearing the voice of God. We're getting comfortable with articulating what we believe God's saying. And it's been very good and very safe. Last night, we took it to another level and said, you know what? Now we want to step into a more prophetic place. Maybe God's giving you something for somebody else. That takes the risk factor up a little bit. But that's what we're doing. We're learning. We're growing. We're stepping into this. Okay? We're stepping out on the bridge. You know what a bridge does? Gets you from one place over something to another place. So we're stepping out on the bridge and baby steps going. We're hearing God's voice. We're getting comfortable with that. Now what do we do with that? Because it's not just so you can feel good about hearing God's voice. He wants to deploy you. Amen? You with me? All right. Next one. You'll miss it from time to time. However, you will never grow unless you step out and try. I mean, come on. When I learned how to swim, my Uncle Don took me to the public swimming pool in Lubbock, Texas, told my mom, I'm going to teach Jimmy Dale. That's what they called me and my family. I'm going to teach Jimmy Dale how to swim. My mom was so happy. It's wonderful. Thank you, Don. That was her brother. So we, we drive up in his, you know, like an old cougar, we drive up to the pool. I'm excited because Uncle Don's going to teach me how to swim. So we walk over to the pool. He takes his foot and he kicks me into the water in the deep end. That's how I learned how to swim. I got in the water, and I sucked down some chlorine. I came up gasping for air and spewing water, and like, and he's just standing there waiting for me, like, you're going to be all right. He's holding the lifeguards back. Yeah, he's fine. He'll be all right. He's still swimming. He's still moving. I still see bubbles. He's all right. That was my family for you. And so we get back home, and my, my mom's like, so did you learn how to swim? I'm like, uh, kind of. I learned... I'm going to need therapy, and I, learned, and I survived. Yeah, I learned how to survive. So that was my uncle's idea of teaching me how to swim. When I got older and I took lifeguarding, I worked for my college. I was a lifeguard for our college, so I had to go through all those classes. We read this manual from the Red Cross on how to swim. I mean, it had breaststroke, backstroke. I mean, everything you can imagine, right? And then, then resuscitation and how to board somebody and how to... We did all this, but we read this manual and we took a test, but it wasn't until we actually got in the water and started trying this stuff that we actually began to learn. I could have memorized that 700-page manual. 
and did a lot of it. But until I got in the water and actually swam and actually had to pull a cinder block brick off the bottom of the deep end of the pool or had to drag somebody in a, in a cross-arm hole all the way across the pool while they're flailing, kicking, trying to get away from me. It wasn't until I had to swim uh, you know, a mile for time. It wasn't until I did those things I actually learned how to swim properly. Before, it was just survival. This now, but still, until I got in the water. So here's the thing. Well, you're going to miss this from time to time. You're going to say, I think the Lord may be saying. But here's what I'll say. I'll say, I'll say to Jason. Jason, I feel like the Lord's given me something for you, but I want you to weigh this out. I want you to, and I'll even tell people, I want you to put it on the back burner and let it simmer. I just want you to take it and, you know, if I've written it down, I'll hand it to you. Or if it's something very to the point that's easy to remember, I'll just say it. And I'll say, does that confirm or affirm anything that you've been thinking or maybe God's been speaking to you? And, uh, and it'd be like, no, I said nothing. I got nothing. You know, so if that's the case, I'll say, well, then that may not be, I may have just bad pizza. I don't know. I missed something. <laughs> I missed something. That's okay. But, but it may be something for, you never know. So I always say, encourage it, write it down. If somebody brings something to you, write it down. So that you have, because I've got a book full of these things. Like I said, we're running out of time, so I'll, re, I'll show you, I'll do a little recording for you in a minute. So the word the Spirit brings to you, but it's okay to miss it. You won't learn, but it's never failure if you're learning. It's never failure if you learn. And remember, we can't break it unless you're running around telling people they're going to marry so-and-so and doing that silliness. So that's not prophecy. That's stupidity, Right? So we don't do that kind of stuff. So I don't have to go deep with you on that. The word that the Spirit brings to you to give someone else may not make any sense to you. Wishbone. Jim got a wishbone. He's like, oh no, wishbone. But it made sense to somebody else. You never know. It's the word of the Lord. So he's bypassing you because he's trying to get something specific to another individual. That's how much he loves them. And it may not even be in your ballpark. So you say, I don't know what this means. But here's what I got. This is what I saw. Maybe you saw a picture. Maybe you heard something. So it could be any of that. Or maybe a scripture that God brought to your heart, to your mind, for them. Avoid directive words. This is so critical. You are going to marry him. Man, run like Forrest Gump if you hear that kind of stuff. Get out of Dodge. That stuff is dangerous. And that has wreaked havoc in the body of Christ in various places. Or, I heard this one time, for real, you're going to divorce her and marry her. I'm serious. This stuff happens. This is how stupid we can get as followers of Jesus. We just get out, whacked out of our mind on this stuff. So, I mean, directive words are the words that are like telling somebody to go do something. I feel like the Lord's saying you need to quit your job, and God's going to provide for you by doing that. You hear what I'm saying? Is that crazy? I'm telling you. So we have to be careful. So I never give a directive word. I just don't. I say, you pray about this. Is this something God may be speaking to you? If not, sorry. You know, it's a swing and a miss, but I'm okay. But like Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And we need to start taking some shots. And have to show some boldness and some courage. But always speaking the truth in what? Love. All right? So, a spoken prophetic word will never contradict the written word. The rhema, that's God breathes in Greek, will affirm the logos, the written word. So, it'll always, it'll always dovetail. So, always listen for that. The witness of the Spirit, the witness of the word. When somebody brings a word, 
And uh, that's why I won't let that be released in this context. If, if we don't have people in here who are not followers of Jesus, I won't risk that for them because, because I, I'm not going to let anything go off from that pulpit or that stage that could risk somebody being directed away from the cross, away from Jesus. So we won't do that. So Ephesians 4, and he gave the apostles, and look what else he gave. The prophets. He gave these. This is not old covenant. This is new. This is to the church. Gifts to the church. The evangelists, the shepherds, or the pastors and teachers. And here's why. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. The point being, I'm here as a pastor teacher because my role is to equip you to go be deployed, to go do it. I'm here to develop you. I'm here to help you discover, but also this deployment. I'm also here to disrupt a little bit, so you're already getting used to that. So equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up. There's that, that word again, building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Have we all attained to the unity of faith? Are we there? No, no way. So until that happens, we continue to do this. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. This is what I've seen for 35 years of being a pastor. People blown about and just whatever wind comes along, it's like just back and forth, back and forth. Confusion. That's why I'm committed to us diving deep in the Scriptures and letting the Bible say what the Bible says. So, we're going to continue to do that because we don't want to be like children being blown all over the place. By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, there it is, we are to grow up. When's the last time somebody just looked at you and said, grow up, beside your spouse? I mean, has anybody said to you, it's time to grow up? Followers of Jesus, it's time to grow up. It's time to lean into maturity. Let's just be honest. This room should be packed tonight. There should be people who are ready to grow up, but they're Sunday attenders. They just show up, check the box. I'm not knocking anybody here. I'm just saying, we know there's a difference between the crowd and the core. And so we want to see people come into and say, you know what, I need a little bit more than what I'm getting on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm, there's a hunger stirring in me. Why? Because God's doing something and drawing. That's why you're here. And praise God that you are, but this room should be full, right? Because we're serving up. We're, I mean, they should like the flavor of our ice cream, so to speak, because we're serving up the Scripture, the Word of God. That's transformative, and we're answering questions, and we're not dodging the difficult stuff. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way, in every way, into Him who is the head and into Christ, from whom the whole body, that's all of us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, or when each part does its work, does its job, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Last thing I want to do, I want to play something for you. I want you to hear what it sounds like. We were in, um, where's my phone? We were in, um, we were in a dark season of our life. We were going through a rough time, and we ended up in um, Nashville, Tennessee. We were there. It was before I went to work with Dave Ramsey and that team. And we were, we were unemployed. 
we were staying with one of the, my former youth minister that I had hired as a kid. We're staying in his 10 by 10 room going, what happened, God? You ever gotten a place where you go, what, what just happened? And we were just going, what is going on? And we were desperate to hear God's voice. You ever been in that place where you just thought, I need a word from God. I, I need something. God, throw me a bone. I need something. And we found out that there's a church in Nashville called Grace Center. And Grace Center traffics in the prophetic, strong, deeply spiritual church. We'd heard great things. We'd been there several times for worship. Loved the atmosphere. They were known for that. But they had what's called a prophetic presbytery. And a prophetic presbytery is a gathering that's intentional where they actually train and equip students in their supernatural school of ministry. How's that for a title? And based out of Bethel Reading, but they, had, they were partner churches. So they trained them how to hear the voice of God and how to prophesy. So then you go into a room, and it's like going into a doctor's office. It's like an appointment. You go in, and sitting on the other side of the table are three or four 22-somethings that are so on fire for Jesus that they're scary. You ever been around people like that? Come on. I love it. Bring it on. So you go sit there, and that, all they know is Jesus. That's all they care about. No pretense. And you sit down, and they either have a phone, or, they, or you, if you have your phone, you, they want you to record it. And they pray, and then they prophesy. And then you walk away going, whoa, that is amazing. Because the two times that I went, and that went three times, I was completely, utterly blown away by how accurate what they had to say. So I'm going to play you a little bit because it's really interesting. So um, are, do you want to hear this? Are you curious at all? All right. This is, this is great stuff. All right. So this is um, Grace Center. This is August 2nd, 2015. And I'm just going to give you just a little bit of it. Uh, I'm going to use a microphone here. Do this. High tech. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. So, Father, we just thank you for Annette and Jimmy. We thank you for bringing them to our table today, Lord. We thank you for their hearts and what you're doing in their lives. And we just pray that you would speak directly to us. Um, directly to us and then straight to them, Father. In Jesus' name. Yeah, so when you guys walked up, I just heard, like, a time of renewal, and um, I don't know where you guys are from, or when you came here, or if you're visiting, or if you just got here, or what, but I feel like this is, like, a very dramatic, I'm, like, hearing, like, dramatic turn of events, and I feel like you're finding yourself in a place that you weren't expecting to find yourself, but it's not bad. It's just like, oh, wow, we're here, and... Um, and I feel like the Lord's saying in that time it's going to be a time of renewal. And I'm even thinking of, like, renaissance. Like, and just how that was a huge time of renewal of, like, arts and music and culture. And I feel like there's, like, a renaissance for your hearts, for your relationship, for your family, for really just like every area. I mean, the Renaissance affected the economy. They affected so many different areas of um, society, and I feel like that's like for your life, if your life is society, this is about to just affect everything. And I'm even wondering if there's a parallel between... Um, between actual like arts and music for you guys if if there's this creative thing we're all creative but I'm just wondering to what extent um, the Lord has you know some open doors for that for you guys as well 
Yeah, um, so as soon as you guys walked up to the table, um, I saw this huge diamond. Um, and I feel like it's just a representation of you guys, that you guys are just such diamonds. And um, how diamonds become diamonds is something you know. It's like carbon being compressed. Um, but it's the pressure that creates the diamond. So I feel like maybe you guys have been in a season where you felt this compression and this really intense pressure. But uh, I just feel the Lord saying that out of that, like, he's making you guys into diamonds. He's so I'll stop with that. So do you think that would comfort us in a very dark season of our life? Now, this was a transitional time. I actually was going to play an earlier one, same, same church, different people doing it. This was actually when I was working for Dave Ramsey, and we were getting ready to come here. So we went knowing that we were transitioning to Fredericksburg, and we thought, let's go back to Grace Center. It's been a couple of years, and let's see if, what, if God has something unique to say. So when we got there, this is what, what we were met with. And it just goes on and on, about eight minutes. And we just left edified, we left encouraged, and we left comforted. Now, do you think that might have been of the Lord? Absolutely. We just, we walked out. I don't even think our feet were on the ground. I think we were like about an inch off the ground. And just grateful for God loving us so much that he would use these young people who didn't know us from anybody to speak life, to speak hope, to speak encouragement into us. And in this transitional time, as we were getting ready to come here and be a part of this work. And so that's just an example of how that can sound in that. Did you hear their confidence as they shared? But they kept saying, I think, or I just see, or you know, they're very careful. Very, they're very well trained in the way they do that. Yes, at the end, they, they say, if this is not of the Lord, Lord, do not even let them remember this. That's the humility that they have. If this, if this is, doesn't affirm or confirm what you're already doing, Lord, may they just throw it out. Just hit the delete button. So they're very, very humble about, about that because they don't want to walk in pretense that they know something. But they want to be yielded to God to be used so that he can speak prophetically. And so... Just know, and I'll just encourage you in this, I hope it's an encouragement, wherever Annette and I have served, this gift bubbles to the surface. It's just something that when we show up, this happens. So I want you to know there are things already happening all around us. People are writing me, texting me, talking to me, and it all has that familiar that I know it's the prophetic grace that's starting to be released over this place. So I want you to lean into that. Be encouraged by that. What we're doing is doing everything we can to line up with the Scripture. To say we're not going to be a charismatic church. Uh, we're not going to be a progressive church. We're not going to be a contemporary church. We're not going to be a, a conservative. We're going to be a Bible church. We're going to be believing believers who are going after God. And all we want is what He wants. Nothing more. Nothing less. Think we can move forward with that pretense, with that idea in mind? And, let's, and as our strategy, let's do the next thing Jesus tells us to do. I think we'll be okay if we do that. Amen? Let's all stand together. You guys have been super patient. Uh, there was a lot to talk about tonight, so I apologize for going over time. But I hope it's encouraging. And I hope that maybe, just maybe, you'll start to recognize this has been happening in you and with you. And you maybe didn't even know, but at least you have... You have a hook to hang it on now. Okay, this is that.
say? So let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love your kids so much that you've got things you want to say to them. And then you love other kids so much that you want to let them be used to to bring that message of hope, of life, of encouragement, of comfort, to build up the body of Christ. So Lord, would you give us grace? Would you continue to release greater measures of your grace over us that we may learn how to, in the spirit of, of the Joel prophecy, as sons and daughters that will prophesy, will speak life, will speak comfort, will speak edification to one another, that we will inspire others encourage them. So would you do that? And uh, I'll ask a favor. Just just hit me in just a thought. Uh, if you would, if you want to, put your hands out like you're going to get something, like you're going to receive, like somebody's going to lay something in your hands. Just, Father, right now we posture ourselves before you to be receptive. Um, I don't even know what this means specifically, but Lord, would you release your grace and we have open hands and we're palms up. We're receptive. Would you release a prophetic grace over us that is unprecedented for this house, that has been unprecedented up to this point, but that we would begin to see, we would begin to dream, we would begin to have visions, we would begin to have words of encouragement and hope and life for one another, and that we would speak life and speak well of one another. Would you release that prophetic grace in us? By faith, even by standing here with our hands out, Lord, we receive an impartation from you because we believe it's your heart because it's your word. We trust you in it. We lean into it. And we walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. See you this weekend.